our James series today. And as I was preparing for this, I, I learned something really interesting about hunting monkeys. Yeah. So in the jungles of Africa, hunters have this great way of hunting monkeys. And what they'll do is they'll take a coconut and they'll cut it in half, hollow it all out. And on one half, they'll cut this little hole that's just big enough for a monkey hand to slip through. And in the other half, they'll put a nice ripe orange. And they'll fasten it together, tie it up to a tree, and then fade away into the jungle and wait. And sure enough, before long, along comes a little monkey who smells this orange, does some investigations, and finds the orange in the coconut. And in goes the little monkey hand, and it grabs the orange, but it can't get out because the orange is too big for the hole. And as the monkey pulls and pulls, doesn't realize that here comes a hunter with a net. And the sad part about this is that the monkey could save its own life if it would just let go of the orange. But it rarely occurs to the monkey that it can't have both the orange and its freedom. And as I was working through this sermon, I thought of how often I am like that little monkey, and maybe you can recognize some of you in that little monkey. I often don't realize that I can't have my own way and live out God's plans at the same time or realize that I can't have God's wisdom and my stubbornness at the same time. I have to make a choice. And this morning, we're going to continue on in James, and we're going to look at wisdom. And the question is, do you really want it? Really? Our sermon series is called From Skeptic to servant. And this morning is all about taking a look at our heart and whether we actually want that which God is offering us. So the best way to find James, and we don't put our scriptures up on the screen. If you have your Bible app, it's super easy. You just click on James. Um, but if you have your paper Bible, the best way to find James is to go from the back, from Revelation. And you're going to flip forward just a few books. James is tucked between Hebrews and 1 Peter. So if you flip forward past Jude, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and then 1st and 2nd Peter, you'll find James. Now, all of those books are really short. So you can flip past multiple and not realize it. So as soon as you hit Hebrews, you've gone too far and you need to go back to the right. And here's what it says in James 1, verses 5 to 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Those who doubt should not think they will receive anything from the Lord. They are double-minded and unstable in all they do. So God, now we thank you for your word. 
We thank you for easy truth and we thank you for hard truth because your word tells us how to live our best life. And so would you speak to us? Holy Spirit, would you allow any words that are of myself to drift away? But that which you are speaking, would you allow that to take root and cause change because you are the bringer of life and the spirit of truth. And we rely on you. In your precious name, amen. So if we're looking at wisdom, probably the first thing we should look at is what is wisdom anyway? Because wisdom goes beyond our own good ideas. It goes beyond what feels good. In Proverbs 9, verse 10, Proverbs is the book of wisdom. It says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So why is the fear of the Lord the beginning of wisdom? Well, obedience often comes from fear, initially. Think of a young child. I remember when we were trying to teach Kaylee that the stove was hot. We would say, don't touch the stove. It's hot. And she, because she's got the stubbornness of two parents, extra strong in there she would reach for the stove and she would get that stern voice that abrupt reaction as we panicked a little bit that quick slap on her hand to say no don't touch the stove it's hot and her fear in those moments caused her to not touch the stove. Did she always fear us? No. And if your parent, kids always fear you, let's have a chat. But that response to don't touch the stove taught her don't touch the stove. It's hot. And often our obedience is first birthed out of our recognition of who God is. And the recognition of who God is, I'm not going to lie, should make us shake in our boots for a bit. If we think of God only as warm, fuzzy, loving daddy, we're missing a huge part of who he is as king of kings and lord of lords, as the one who can do anything, who in a moment can take our lives. He is worthy of our deepest respect. It's born out of that initial moment of fear. And we've said this before, does God leave us in fear? No. We see over and over and over and over and over in scripture where people come before Jesus and they're afraid. And he says, fear not. Fear not. You don't have to be afraid of me. But that initial obedience is often born out of fear and then it comes to a place of reverence, a place of love where we obey because we desire to please our Father like our kids obey because they desire to please us. And oftentimes that obedience comes even before the full understanding of why we're obeying comes. Right? With my daughter... 
she didn't understand what the stove is hot even meant until she was older and could feel the heat radiating it from it and went, oh. Actually, she didn't realize it until she accidentally put her hand on the element of a coffee maker and learned what hot meant. But our boundaries are asking her to stay away from the stove was for her good, for her protection in a way that she just intellectually was not able to understand at two. And oftentimes God sets boundaries for us and we have this understanding of who he is and so we seek out of reverence, out of desire to please him, to obey. And it isn't usually until hindsight that we go, wow, God, I'm so thankful that you put that boundary there for me because now I know what would have happened. Now I know what you were saving me from. Now I know what your best was and why you asked me to obey you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And a few chapters before, we see this in Proverbs 3, 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. In other words, turn away from that which you recognize is wrong. Bar it out of your life. Because they all of the things he asks of us, but we are also actively avoiding those things that stand against God. Sin and the brokenness born out of ourself and our broken humanity, we stand actively against those things. Now here's the beautiful part, because I can't stand strong for long against sin in my own strength. But we don't have to. We're promised the help of the Holy Spirit who gives us an exit to every temptation. Every single one. And so actively standing against that which is wrong also is actively seeking means of escape when we find ourselves in those situations. It means that when our own brokenness starts screaming at us that we need this fix, we need to lie so that no one thinks bad of us, we need to, that we tune in to the whisper of the Holy Spirit saying, this is your way out. And we choose in those moments to be obedient to the voice of God, which often is not going to be comfortable, which often is going to hurt, but will be for our best in the long run. Wisdom begins with fear and obedience to Christ, and it continues as we avoid brokenness and sin. And then in James 3.17, we see this filter. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. This is the fullness of wisdom. Obedience, born out of our fear and love and reverence to Christ, beyond that which we think is 
just good ideas or common sense. And I don't know about you, but this checklist, that's the one that goes, ouch. Because what feels right in a moment-to-moment, situation-by-situation wisdom is often very self-centered, right? It's not impartial. It's seeking my good. It's often proud. Do you see how wise I am? That I figured my way out of this situation. It's often boastful. It's not pure and peace-loving and considerate and submissive and full of mercy, full of good fruit, impartial or sincere. And James is giving this, us this checklist to say, do you really have wisdom, capital W, or do you just have wisdom? Your own common sense, your own good ideas, your own tried and true things that you go to when you find yourself in situations. And here it is. Is my wisdom, the decision that I'm about to make, born out of obedience to Christ? Yes or no? Is my wisdom, the decision I'm about to make, actively seeking to look like Jesus? Yes or no? Is my wisdom, the decision I'm about to make, pure? Is it peace-loving? Is it considerate? Is it submissive? Is it full of mercy? Is it full of good fruit? Is it impartial? Is it sincere? And this is the wisdom we're offered in James 1, verse 5. And we can't have this wisdom of our own strength or our own will or our own intellect. That's what makes it a gift from God. This wisdom is impossible to have without him. And the beautiful thing about God is that he offers it to all of us. We just have to ask. And we see that in James 1, 5. I'm going to read this just with some inflection on key words. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. God promises that he's going to give generously and he promises that he's not going to nitpick or guilt trip or lecture us in our asking. He'll give it to us that we can make wise choices in times of crisis. And sometimes we get reluctant of God's promises, but here's what 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. It's truly that simple on God's end. He says, just ask. And we go, okay. His promises are his promises forever and ever and ever. He's not going to say, you know what? If you need wisdom, you can ask for wisdom. And then 50 years down the road go, mm, I'm kind of tired of giving you wisdom. 
he's not going to do that. His promises are his promises forever. We just need to ask. We don't have to plead our case or try to convince God of how hard we, we tried on our own before we ask. And that is my default. Anyone else, that's your default? I'm really, really independent. And I have a really hard time asking for help. Like this week, Lynn came and helped me move some some old furniture and storage stuff down to the basement. I was fully prepared to just take my whole day and just lug it all by myself because I can do it. And Lynn and I had it done in an hour and it was amazing. And I asked, she just knew that this is my default and said, I'm coming to help you. And then I was so glad she did. But I pride myself, key word there, on being capable. And I can carry that with me to God too. And I can walk around with my own bag of tricks, as Michelle Anthony would put it. Because throughout my life, I've had many experiences, as have you. In various situations, I've tried different or scenarios out with varied results, as have you. And so I have an arsenal of a few different approaches I can take before I get to the asking for help stage. Maybe it's an issue with my spouse or my child. And I have this running list of things I can try first before I ever have to ask for help. And so when I get there, it often comes with a lot of shame and a lot of humility, but not the good kind of humility where we humble ourselves before God, the humiliation kind of humility where I go, you've been watching me fail for weeks. And I find myself kind of half begging, half explaining that I need wisdom. But that's not God's heart for my asking. That's not God's heart for your asking. He doesn't want us to try it on our own first to see if we can do it. Right? As parents, we say that to our kids all the time. Go try, and if you still need me, I'll come. And that's great because we have to teach our kids to be independent in the world, but God doesn't want independent kids. He wants dependent kids who don't try first, who just come to him and ask for wisdom. He doesn't need us to pull ourselves bloody and battered to him because we are too proud and independent to recognize our need for him. He doesn't require our humiliation that we would beg and explain ourselves until maybe he caves and gives in to the wisdom we need like my kids do at the grocery store when they really want something. That's not God's heart for us, that we would have to whine and nag and push and push and push. God doesn't work like that. It's not his heart. His heart is of a loving daddy who can't wait to give us wisdom. See this from Matthew 7, verses 9 to 11. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, would give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, would give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, yes, we are evil, 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Just ask. That's it. A good father who delights in giving his children all that they need, especially a generous helping of this godly, obedient, submitted to Christ beyond ourselves, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, impartial, sincere, kind of wisdom. And of course, God's heart for me is that I would learn to be dependent and learn to ask for help, and we're working on that one. But he doesn't deny me because I took the hard way first. He still offers me wisdom, and he'll still offer you wisdom, even if you took the hard way first. Even if you're pulling yourself bloody and broken towards him going, I can't believe you just watched me struggle for weeks when I should have come to you and asked. But here's the hard truth. Do you really want wisdom? Because here's how it goes on in James 1, verse 6. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Those who doubt should not think they will receive anything from the Lord. They are double-minded and unstable in all that they do. Have you ever been around that person that is complaining about something in their life, like all the time? Every time you get together for coffee, their husband's awful or they're struggling with their kids again. Most of the time I find this, like, at conferences or pastor's camp, and it's something ministry-related. It's always the same challenge. And the person is just complaining and complaining and complaining, and every time you sit down, there's a complaint. And I know that as women, we just want, we just want to be heard. Okay, men, I say this to Lucas all the time, I'm a big girl, and I can figure it out myself. I just need you to listen to me first. And then I'm going to go and fix it myself, thank you. But after, like, so much complaining, finally, you just start, like, have you tried this? What about this? You know, I read this great book, maybe it would help. And no matter what you suggest, they have a million reasons why it won't work. I see nods, yeah? Everyone have one of those people in their lives? And you get to the point where you're just like, stop telling me. Why are you asking for advice if you're not going to take it? That's what James 1, 6 to 8 is saying. James is saying, do you really want God's wisdom? This isn't God's issue. He's not saying... I'm going to stop giving you. He's saying, are you actually going to receive it? Do you really want wisdom? Because I know often what I'll do is I'll take God's wisdom and I'll lay that on my table. And I'll take my great advice from my friends that I trust and love and I'll lay that right beside it. 
And then that book that I read that was super helpful, and I'll put that there. And then what I just feel like I really want to do or should do, and I'll lay that there, and I'll, I'll mull over all of the options and pick the one that, you know, feels best in the moment. Or maybe I'll take a little piece from this one and a piece from this one, and I'll create my own wisdom. Or maybe as God speaks to us like that friend, we have our whole list ready of reasons why it will never work like God wants it to. And we start arguing back. But God, you just don't understand. And please hear me for a moment about my table because listening to wise counsel and talking with a friend or books are not a bad thing. In fact, in Proverbs 12, 15, it says, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. And so God's heart is that we would listen to those who have more life experience than us, that we would listen to those that we trust that he's put in our life for a reason, but that advice should always confirm God's wisdom and not contradict it. And if you don't know which is God and which is self, again, we can go back to that checklist. Does this stay true to the word of God? Does this stay true to the character of Christ? If I take this path, is it going to help or is it going to hinder my faith walk? Is it pure? Is it peace-loving? Is it considerate? Is it submissive? Is it full of mercy? Is it full of good fruit? Is it impartial? Is it sincere? But when we pick and choose which voice we're going to heed, which wisdom is going to be our wisdom, then our lives are inconsistent and we become wishy-washy. We become people who hold up a standard of integrity here, but a standard of broken selfishness here. We become like the one at sea tossed by the wind, up, down, right, left, no steady course. And that's not the life we're called to. We're called to be steady people, to walk consistently towards a life that looks like Jesus. But that's going to require that we lay down the way that seems right to us. It requires acknowledgement that we need a wisdom that's beyond common sense or good ideas. Listen to God's words in Isaiah 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Wisdom requires the acknowledgement that we don't have to understand to obey. Wisdom requires the surrendering of our best ideas, of our pride, even of our rights. Because sometimes we have a right to revenge. We have a right to be angry. We have a right. 
how many times have we heard that? It's my right. But wisdom sometimes even means laying those down. And we surrender so that we can have godly wisdom, capital W. Be obedient, submitted to Christ, beyond ourselves, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, impartial, sincere kind of wisdom. God's wisdom. Because that wisdom will always lead us to a life of looking like Jesus. That wisdom will lead us to respond to situations instead of react to them. Because responding always makes things better. Reacting often makes things worse. That wisdom will lead us to a life of fullness that's only found in Jesus. But do we really want wisdom? Wisdom's hard. Wisdom means dying to what we want. Wisdom means surrendering and acknowledging that I don't have what it takes on my own. Wisdom means waiting. Wisdom means silence to be able to hear the voice of the Spirit. And these are all things that are really hard to do. Do I really want wisdom? Or do I want to be like that monkey? Wanting both my freedom and my orange. Am I willing to be a person that's tossed by the sea and following my emotions of what feels best in the moment? Or am I willing to surrender what I want for what's best? We are saving up for our first holiday and I put a sign on my fridge and it said, don't give up what you want most for what you want now. Because what I wanted most was to save the money to get away and make memories with my kids. But what I wanted now might be to spend that extra $5 at the grocery store on the junk food that I love. What I wanted now it might be that new album on iTunes. What I wanted now would never get me to my goal. It would always stand in the way. Are we willing to lay down what we want now for what we want that's best? See, the skeptic is happy to keep their options open. The skeptic is happy to be led by what feels right in the moment and what seems best situation by situation. But we're not called to be skeptics. We're called to be servants. We're called to be pursuers of Jesus. Listening to his voice of wisdom that won't be easy, will always be best. Would you close your eyes for me? And we're going to ask the worship team to come. And I just want to read Proverbs 3 over you as a prayer. 
Blessed are you who find wisdom. Blessed are you who gain understanding. For she is more profitable than silver, and she yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and those who hold her fast will be blessed. So God, I thank you that you promise to be our giver of wisdom. And it doesn't matter how many times we tried it on our own. You, you say that you won't reproach us. Even though you wish we would have just come to you first. But God, in this moment, in this soul-searching moment, Would you help us to be honest with you? Do I really want your wisdom? And God, if I don't, would you help convince me of your great love for me? of the fact that even though you might call me to things that seem uncomfortable or, or feel like they're ruining my fun in the moment, that you always put your best in front of me. And those things that you ask me to avoid, they're hot stoves. And I don't have to understand to obey. And I don't have to feel it to listen to your wisdom because you see what I can't see, and you know what I can't know. And all of your plans and purposes for me are good. And God, if my answer is yes, I want your wisdom. I want your wisdom more than my good ideas. I want your wisdom more than my pride. I want your wisdom more than my rights. And God, would you help me to hear your voice situation by situation, moment by moment. Would you help me to recognize your voice over all others? Would you silence all of the voices that scream at us until I can pick you out of a crowd and know, yes, that is my Father God speaking to me and leading me in the ways of life. So help us, God, to want you more than we want our own way. And to be people who seek wisdom. We love you.